What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bit by Bit podcast, the only show approved for robot consumption. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Phillips, alongside Frankenstein's butler, Blake Walker. I like it. All right. Frankenstein's butler. <laughs> Come on. With us today are the quizzical giant, Hayden Gertz. What's up, nerds? <laughs> Next to him is no relation, but I wish he was, Trenton Phillips. That's right. <laughs> and finally, the OG philosophy gangster himself, Kerry Shago. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> you guys are our first guests on the show, which is our first official public guests on the show. So uh, we're super again. excited <laughs> to talk with you guys. We're first. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. We're going to talk to you guys about a few things, maybe some... Uh, video game opinions as well as Magic the Gathering. People still play that thing? Who uh, likes that? <laughs> I apparently know three people who might. Alright, let's jump right into it. So, uh, E3 just happened. We just covered a ton of stuff on it. Um, uh, everything. Pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nintendo announced some pretty cool stuff. Xbox announced a mid-generation console. Uh, mid-generation upgrade, that is. Not a, not a console. Not a new console. So, yeah. Blake, what were your thoughts on the conference as a whole? I think uh, 2017 was just a gigantic letdown in terms of E3 this year. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, I had I had a lot of high expectations, but I had a lot of specific things that I really wanted to see, you know, that I was disappointed. We talked about on the last one, I didn't get to see Splinter Cell, and I'm like dying to see the new Splinter mm-hmm. Cell. Um, of course, everybody knows I love Halo. There was no Halo this year, um, not even a teaser. So that was interesting. I think they're really going back to the drawing board, which maybe isn't a bad thing. And uh, I don't know. I just I thought there were some good things, but the things that were just kind of lackluster outweighed everything else to me. Mm-hmm. I was obviously annoyed at Bethesda and their modding announcement. Um, Carrie, you had thoughts on the on the Ox, the Xbox X. Um, we we kind of had higher praise for it because of the potential power but uh i don't know what 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 your two cents were i feel like fundamentally this is like every internet commenter's dream <laughs> where you you're listening to a show and they say something you disagree with and you're like <laughs> no damn it and you want to get on and <laughs> so my thoughts basically were that you know, they, they stressed 4K so hard. Like, they went so ham on 4K mm. over and over and over again. They did. It was the buzzword of their whole conference, everything they talked about. 4K, 4K, 4K. And, of course, with Forza, I mean, they opened big, um, obviously. But the thing that some people had noticed was that they only said uh, 60 FPS one time, and that was for Forza. Mm. So the concern that I would have if you're, as a consumer, if you're... Um, value uh, placed on this product is uh, placed there by virtue of the graphical uh, power. If the producers of the games themselves don't produce for 30 FPS or for 60 FPS and they're only, uh, they think they can get away with doing 30 FPS. Mm-hmm. For example, it it sort of doesn't utilize all that power and all that power functionally 
does not have as strong of a presence. Like technically, it's it's a pretty cool device, sure, but as far as its actual use goes, I'm I'm still fairly skeptical. Sure, I think that's totally fair, totally fair. Because yeah, they did a lot of touting of the power of the actual thing, but what did they show for it? You know, we got Forza. That was it. Yeah, that was the big <laughs> big thing. Because you know what, actually, I like Forza. <laughs> Dude, Horizons is okay, but like the regular Forza games are so boring. They're just boring. <laughs> At least somebody shares no, racing opinion games. In that. <laughs> racing games aren't like my market. Sure. Somebody likes them. Yeah, but somebody, I'm clearly not the market they're going for. <laughs> I simply do not care. For sure, for sure. I got a buddy that only plays Forza, you know, like somebody out there. That's their thing. <laughs> racing games started looking like cars a long time ago. I, I can already tell it's a car. You don't need it to look that much there doesn't need to be much more resolution for me to you know i, I already don't want to play i'd rather <laughs> i'd still rather play the, the new mario I Odyssey. Already don't like, want that's like... a new thing i mean mario's crossing over to the uh the modern human world so now he's a dwarf apparently so, yeah. yeah apparently that the only thing i really found interesting about the whole thing was this tier t-i-e-r line that nintendo separated between all these old uh games that people tend to speed run and like because of its intricate controls and they put a bunch of games on one side, on the inferior side, and the superior side, where only two titles, three if you include Odyssey, uh, Mario Sunshine, and Mario sixty four. And so a lot of a lot of people have been buzzing about that because it's it's a brand new realm of of what can be done because of the the trailer that I saw that had a bunch of you know random sandbox type open world shenanigans that that's you know fairly new to Mario uh, for his entire existence, but especially in recent years, and that's mm-hmm. got to be. That's got to get people excited. It's got me excited. I hope it's a a, a launch title with uh, another uh, switch a, a switch you know combo box. Uh, so, real quick, something that I forgot to do. Um, what do you guys game on? Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Atari. 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 Yeah, you you still play? Yeah, Atari. I still got my SNES and NES and Sega. Altered Beast, mm. forever have, and always. I have a couple of old consoles. Mm-hmm. My PC is probably just for economic reasons. Sure. Not necessarily for uh, what in a, uh, a question of taste. Mm. I think I game on tabletops. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I uh, I'm still on my 360. So nice. Hit up the old old 360 games. Yeah, my still a good console. Still playing Halo Reach, Trenton. <laughs> uh, more like Skyrim every couple <laughs> months, and then maybe uh, go back to uh, Dishonored. Oh, good well, choice. Let me tell you, this conference was for you. <laughs> Really quick, as as well, what would you say are your top five games? Or you can do top three if you think All time? All time. All time. I know that, Hayden, I know you have a wider list. You made comments to me when we started. Yeah, I'm, I'm by far the oldest one in, in the uh, room here, including Blake, who's not in the room. He's an indie, but I'm, I'm 31, so I grew up on... Don't tell them 50, that. Yeah, I grew up on <laughs> I think we're in the same and room. Atari, and so I've got my hands in a, in a lot of things. My brother's an excellent gamer, the best gamer I've seen, and I picked up from them, so they've got their hands in everything, too. In no particular order, because I just couldn't do it right now. RBI Baseball, NES, uh, Original Halo is in the top ten. I also really like some things, you know, some sports games. Uh, Sun- Sunshine was really, really great. Zelda 2, Adventure Link, the, the bird's eye view. It's a good one. Yeah, there were only two at the time. People give it a lot of guff, but literally only one existed before it, so pipe down. Uh, Trenton, what are your thoughts? What are your What is your game list? So for a long time, I was a Legend of Zelda fanboy. I thought I would be number one. I actually joined a, fa- a 
uh, fan base uh, Facebook page and found out that I was not the number one Legend of Zelda <laughs> fanboy. It's like um, online play. You think you're really good at a game, and then you play online, you're like, oh, uh, I'm not good at this. There's other people in the world that play games. <laughs> not the only one. So um, once I was set free from that bondage, <laughs> I uh, got into um, Dishonored Hardcore. Like, Dishonored is my number one game. Uh, the replayability for that for me is like through the roof. Mm. Um, Dead Space, the mm. series yes. after, after that is my number two. I can't, I don't, the third one is the only one I own now because mm. I tried to get rid of my video games. Um, note for everyone listening don't sell your games to uh, GameStop, you'll get swindled hardcore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Nerd 101. <laughs> uh, third, probably Skyrim. It's getting harder. Uh, I forgot NBA Jam. <laughs> That's a good one. That game is my literal jam and my figurative <laughs> one. Um, I think we'll go. Oh, what is that? What's the name of that uh, game? Jeez, you fight aliens, the big ship aliens that come and destroy the world. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Gosh. Yeah. Mass Effect. Number four for me. Nice. It's because you can have an alien girlfriend, isn't it? <laughs> uh, blue one. The Yara Man's. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, it can be a good time. Uh, and then <laughs> I keep the Legend of Zelda life. series in the fifth, in the fifth slot there. The subtext, the subtext. Because I, it has a special place in my heart. So. Nice. Okay. Uh, Carrie, top five? Well, there are a lot of... I don't know. I feel like that it wouldn't be fair for me to exclude a lot of recent video games that I haven't played just for, like... I mean, games cost money. You have to make choices. But I don't think you can go wrong with a lot of the, the old... Uh, old classics. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy profoundly playing uh, the first Castlevania. Ooh, yeah, that's good. It's um, great. I haven't beat that's it. A good one. I I would be lying if I said that I had made it even a substantial way through the game at all. But just uh, <laughs> the amount of things that you have to deal with, as mm-hmm. far as some of the limitations that mm-hmm. are put on you. Um, I'm not gonna say that it's like an old version of Dark Souls, but it feels a little bit like that because your own attack animations are delayed a little clunkier than Mm. the enemies you face off with and it causes you to have to think through all the things you do and act strategically and in Mm. very specific ways because a lot of your weapons that you get are designed for very specific circumstances that Mm. come up and if you use the wrong one, it's not going to work out so well for you. Farthest I got in that was the Grim Reaper and that was using... Um, it's the second to last level, right? So you got to. Well, or it's the last. I was using <laughs> I was using an emulator, There's only five so every time that I would die, I would rewind and then do the jump again, or you know, try and avoid getting hit. It's like Persia style. Yeah, exactly. So even with that, I I got to the Grim Reaper and he just slayed me every time. And I was like, uh, as as oh. one Grim Reaper should, as as the Grim Reaper does, <laughs> so, uh, thematically appropriate. Uh, anyway, uh, second one. Uh, likely be Super Metroid. Okay. Because uh, this is a set of a lot of games, but it's no less true of this one, that the game does a very good job of teaching you to play the game mm. without making you aware that it's teaching you how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. On top of that, that. Bef- an era before the internet, so all the secrets, and there are a lot of them, they feel so meaningful, and getting that 100% at the end is... Uh, a big deal mm-hmm. or was a big deal can i have a sixth slot sure <laughs> throw it in there final fantasy 10 really final fantasy oh, that's 10 interesting. 
Like, gotta get that blitz ball. Blitz ball for the win. Freaking yeah. <laughs> Isn't that 10 2? There's a bow. No, it's 10. It's, well, 10, it might be in 10, 10 2. 2. But. I had a huge crush on you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Pink Ranger, you know? That sounds like you. <laughs> it is. It is like the Pink Ranger. <laughs> Special shout out for me to Mega Man 2 for being the greatest soundtrack in video game history. Mm, I don't know. Lion King's better. <laughs> yeah, you want to go play Lion King on Game Gear? I'm talking like yeah, Sega Genesis, Lion King. <laughs> the viewers don't understand how funny that is to us because Trin has made that claim for <laughs> for everything. <laughs> every four. This, this pizza is great. This pizza is great. Lion King's better. Yeah, <laughs> it fits every time. <laughs> We're to the point of like making category errors. <laughs> oh man, uh, that house looks cool, but Lion King is better. Apples to oranges, Trin. <laughs> Anyway, as far as my experience of the game, um, I, I don't know if I could safely say that I have the same experience with it today, but Halo 2 brought me into a sort of new epoch of gaming and thinking about games in a different way, in a competitive, oh, yeah. like, strategic way. I'll second that. There, were, uh, there was actual strategic uh, variability in what you could do which definitely existed before, uh, especially in your old uh, Warcraft uh, RTS games and mm-hmm. such. But it was it was my first exposure into that sort of kind of rock, paper, scissors delineation between strategies. Like if you have a, a shield that you're having a problem with on an enemy, you blow it away with a plasma pistol, and now mm-hmm. you've got a free game to use a, uh, a more uh, human weapon to take their health down. Yeah. And all that compounded upon the fact that the campaign made it, let me rephrase, the campaign was built for gamers to try to break it. Okay. And by that, I mean that there were all sorts of like hidden uh, uh, areas, like the skulls. The skulls mm. is basically what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> just to keep it simple, like you're going off the beaten trail. And they expect the gamers to do that because they knew their audience. They knew the gamers. They were gamers themselves. They know how gamers behave. And they wanted to reward that. And And those things were everywhere. Yeah, it was... It's it was a very gratifying thing to discover. This hey, before things. we start playing, can I go grab the um, grunt party skulls so we can have some fun here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. My biggest pet peeve in gaming, maybe ever, is that when you find some platform, especially one that's rendered to look like go this way, but it's not the the main line of the level, and you you, you spend you know twenty minutes timing your jump just right to get up there, and there's nothing there. And they they, <laughs> they rendered it, they put it there, they colored it. They the, the music changes some sort of some sort of cue and you get up there and there's nothing. What would, what would you were expecting? You know, like <laughs> Halo Two. I think uh, to not just discard what you just said, but like the uh, the Excalibur, as what my friend group called it in Sniper Alley, and like the that, second the second level. Yeah, yeah. You just climb up to the top of the building <laughs> and there's a a plasma sword stuck down into the ground. That's cool. As like and now that I think about it, this was also true of the dooms and the quakes. Oh man, where you yeah. had your secret areas. Mm-hmm. I miss that era in shooters. I do too, man. I do too. That's like I was talking about uh, a couple episodes back. Like I'm playing Jedi Knight Two again, like Jedi Outcast, and it's like that classic like key card and health pack style game, like the old school shooters, and you can have like the secret areas and stuff. Like I really really miss that style. And I think New Doom is the only thing that's, like, really brought it back into the main scene. Yeah, it's been really nice. I've been playing through it recently, and it's it's been nice to find those little, you know, key cards yeah. and ammo packs and health packs in different areas. And 
secret things like that. Was there a new game announced at E3 that was uh, going to be styled in that way? So there's Doom VFR. Um, I think I remember hearing and, something uh, about Wolfenstein that. And Wolfenstein 2. Yes, oh. Wolfenstein 2. That was the one. The new Colossus. Yeah, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus. That was the one. Super... I'm, looks I'm good. Excited for looks good. I love the first one so much. Mm-hmm. So much. Did you play? Did any of you guys, for that matter, uh, play Old Blood? There's there's New Order, and then they also came out no, with Old Blood. Never no. did. All and that one's been on my list for a while, and I all I know about it is that he goes back in time, and they're like, don't don't mess anything up. And he goes, so kill as many Nazis as I possibly can. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> How many was that, Kerry? That was three. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how well I'd be able to uh, get there, but uh, Doom 2. Doom 2. That's a good one. Is uh, is one that I have a lot of fond memories of. Um, For its entry into uh, my life as my very first step into gaming, probably Super Smash Brothers. All right. The very first one. Yeah. The 64. Honorable mention. The 64, yeah. Yeah, not... Melee or not melee. I clearly did not take advantage of my window. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to throw out um, Secret of Mana for the SNES. That's the one I need to play. So as well. well as Chrono Trigger. Those are mm. those go they, they go well together because they're completely different, but they're the same genre and the same system, and uh, just, you know, fantastic, and uh, kind of a stepping stone to lots of other uh, great games. But yeah, so you guys as gamers. For the bit that you know of what happened at E3, do you feel like you were represented? Do you feel like there were things that caught your interest, or was this a completely just kind of whatever kind of year for you? The problem I have with E3 is that I never really feel represented at <laughs> okay. E3. Because it just encourages this biting cynicism with the fake VoIP mm-hmm. uh, trailers that they do mm-hmm. with actors that just do not sound like people who play the games. Mm. Yeah, like the it's like patronizing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They had that last year, and people were like, "Oh, is this going to be a thing again?" We have the people who play like they're playing the game. Actually, oh man, uh, was it Anthem? Like the one? Anthem was the one. Yeah, Anthem was that. terrible. I but they tell. but they do that every year. I do want to comment on that because I forgot to during the episode. Like every time Ubisoft comes out with like a multiplayer game, they do like one of these types of trailers where it's supposed to be like the people playing the game talking to each other Mm. and they always sound like horrible and like really rehearsed and stuff this one actually did sound like people realistically playing the game i will give them that much credit but still i think they should have gone a different direction with it completely well it's it's, again this is my first time watching an actual e3 instead of just going back through and doing review and stuff so the people in the trailers was new to me so when when I started hearing voices, I thought it was character narration. Right. <laughs> and I was like, what does their weekend have to do with the narration they're trying to tell? They got this. <laughs> I was like, all right, is there a is there a weekly day calendar that happens? Is it anyway? That's funny, man. Yeah, it's your really gameplay. Funny. Yeah. You take care of your week and slate monster. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Any other? Um, I would say that if they hadn't talked about Dishonored, I probably wouldn't even feel like I was represented. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so specific in my gaming nowadays, I don't know that I can accurately describe being represented at an E3. Um, I'm just so f- behind on the consoles right now that I, I don't necessarily feel a part of E3. So mm-hmm. It's not really um, relevant to you, yeah. I guess. You're um, not keeping up, yeah. I think that's probably going to be the case from the future now on. Like Whenever they stop taking care of their older products, they just leave behind the people like me who don't have the money to move forward. So um, I guess you could say I wasn't represented. But the promise of a new Dishonored game is cool for me. I think that's the only reason I would say otherwise. I'm, I was excited for Dishonored 2. I haven't got to play it yet, so no spoilers, please. <laughs> and another Dishonored playthrough, Dishonored 2 playthrough, mm-hmm. whatever it is, is um, still exciting. So there's a yes and no there. I think Trenton touched on something pretty important to keep in mind, though, is that trying to represent all gamers is a very difficult thing to do because there mm-hmm. is not the gamer. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about, I don't care about Forza. It's just not a thing Halo. that I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have your, your COD <laughs> shooters. You Call have game, your, yeah. your old style Doom shooters that people disagree about and they have their different styles and you have your uh, Dishonored 2. Um, so like inevitably, I think the answer is going to be yes and no for most people. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I totally, totally agree with that. And I, I want to touch on something about that because Sony and Microsoft have like pretty, pretty like different uh, views on this issue with backwards compatibility. Sony says it's not a thing and nobody will use it. And Microsoft says, yeah, you know, lots of people use it. And I think that caters more to people like that, that don't stay totally up to date, you know. Um, sure. I mean, now the new X, I mean, Xbox One's 200 bucks now. So a lot of people are getting into it and they'll still be able to play those games they've been playing. Um, but then they announced OG um, original Xbox games com- backwards compatibility too. Like, how did you guys, how do you guys feel about that? Like, do you think only, that's something people will use or? The only Xbox, original Xbox game I've ever wanted to play after I originally played it was a game called Fusion Frenzy. It's a party oh, game that dude. was. Game I is, love that game's Fusion great. Frenzy. Down they need forever. to bring Fusion Frenzy back. Yeah, they, they, they made a remake and made Fusion Frenzy 2 and it was a disaster. But you know, uh, it, people are going to have their, you know, their, type, their their games that they love that, that don't have their own chain. They don't have their own, you know, series or whatever. Just one game that was great. And, you know, they, the Nintendo will put it on their, you know, their site and et cetera. But, you know, there's something yeah. about just being able to go back through your old CD cases and put it in and play I it. I think that's important, too, because it's not always that you want to play your old xbox games like every once in a while i might get the itch to have my friends over and play xbox or sorry the uh, the halo uh the first Split screen one. yeah screen. just the original halo but it's not every day that i'll ever think about that so uh um, yeah. having it as an option is super important but uh focusing on it might not necessarily be a yeah i don't know what that means though focusing on it so when it comes to, to e3 i came i came to a uh, for me, a, a kind of radical conclusion about the um, the likeness of real people from um, from a um, main Nintendo title in Odyssey, where it's reached this new precipice for Nintendo that's that's kind of separated them from other systems, and it's to that other other systems, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, have always tried to look more realistic. It's what they've other things too, but in my opinion, the biggest thing that they've been trying to improve is making a car look like a car, making a person look like a person. And for the first time with 
any sort of serious. They did it in in Sonic the Xbox One, and that game is a disaster for many reasons. <laughs> Sonic Sonic 06. Sonic 06, so, so, Sonic 06 is yeah. the uh, preferred term, but technically it's just Sonic the Hedgehog. Whatever. They've got people there, and of course there's you know whatever, going you know roller coaster tycoon and stuff you know shenanigans like that, but. They really look like real people here, and it just makes me think about where Nintendo would be in 20 years trying to make a realistic-looking Mario play the next big virtual reality or, or you know, whatever it would be. You know, we control – like, if you you know, like the, the Kinect or whatever where that's just, that's just the baseline for a video game system at that point. This is the first time that I think Nintendo is – they're obviously prioritizing it because they've thrown Mario into the world, and he kind of looks up at the skyscrapers and, oh – what is this? You know, whatever he said, that's a horrible impression, but it's just, it, for me, that was the big takeaway was that Nintendo is, is if in 15 years we look back and they're doing a bunch of crazy things that, that, uh, you know, they're trying to do in Grand Theft Auto and all these things. This is the first, to me, this is the first shred of evidence. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, this Mario game, sorry, I'm kind of like side noting a little bit. If they do release a Switch bundle with this Mario game, I think I'll probably end up buying a Switch. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah my favorite games really to, to play up for for the, the Wii U and, and even the Switch would just be party games. And then, of course, whichever titles you gravitate towards. Like, I, I rented Zelda twice. Still yeah. better than buying it for $60. The game had a lot of flaws, but whatever. Uh, it's still great. Visually stunning. Uh, but the the idea that, that you can that you can uh, have this this thing that bridges the gap between, you know, whatever your your aunt that would never play video games or your your dad who would never, you know, he plays a real guitar but would never play Guitar Hero and now here comes here comes Nintendo that that kind of does those things for a long time and now you can you know you can just pick up controllers and, and play party games and and it doesn't have to be and it's like Nintendo for a long time is like focused on togetherness yeah it's it's like they're one of their calling cards is like look you get to do this with other people i was like uh any of the pokemon games that's <laughs> the purpose yeah. of them was to be with others and uh yeah. stadium stadium like and uh um, maybe the outlier i would yeah that's would true that. yeah. um the uh especially pokemon go partnering oh, oh, with yeah, niatic you know yeah, it's about togetherness and, and you know trading and whatever you have a family you have a team to go and battle with and yeah. adventure with even like, even when nintendo was intentionally and unintentionally hosing us it was about togetherness when uh, i'm 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 not uh speaking from experience here but there was some game i think it was a uh, uh, original blue and red that you you had to go get the cable that linked your uh, ds's yes. in order to get a charizard uh, or something like that or a champ or something or, like that and everyone was yeah. obviously distraught i remember kids being very upset a, a little younger kids too because i never played it was not a game i was interested in but then it would just look you could just see them on the school bus talking to each other and going oh man i can't believe that i gotta go out by this this cable this why would they do this to us well let's go to walmart and get one because there's no way we're not going to go to debt you know it didn't matter they, they were still going to go do it and share yeah. and get their 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 best six starters at level 100 and go from there like the the, the original we one of the original week uh, commercials was really great. Uh, a couple of the, I think the vice president and the president would show up at people's houses with a Wii. I remember And that. they would bow to you and they, they would say they're, you know, something in, in Japanese. Like yeah, something like that. Uh, and they just come in and then 
immediately. No one's saying any words. Everyone's just laughing. The Japanese, the the Japanese, the Americans, and then they would they would pick up their box or whatever, leave the weed, wave goodbye, and go. Something very similar to that. Togetherness. It doesn't matter. Fun bridges the gap. All you all you need are people in a TV. Sony and Microsoft take a take a note from Nintendo there. That's yeah. what gaming should be. Absolutely. That's that's my that's my genre. That's my corner. I don't I don't need to an arrow to look like an arrow to be oh that was cool. You know, it's cool with the new Zelda, it's great. But you know, give me give me a Super Smash Brothers game with ninety characters and I will never complain again. You know, something like that. So I think about thinking off of what you were saying about Nintendo. I think that they have really stayed true to who they are. Um, they're all about, like you said, that family and togetherness and, and community. And uh, Whereas Sony and Microsoft are, you know, let those dogs fight their fight. You know, Nintendo is just continuing to try and make it so that there's still gaming for all ages. It's, it's always been that way with the Game Boy to the Game Gear and... The GameCom, which is an awful console, and then you have uh, other, you know, other examples: the the Virtual Boy mm, and other yeah. shenanigans. Uh, the Rob, the the, the handheld, yeah. <laughs> the, the Tiger games, the R Zone that was basically Tiger plus Virtual Boy. Mm. Yeah, it was that bad. It was it was really bad. And everyone's always looked at Nintendo or even things like the the PlayStation Move. Who who do you know that owns a PlayStation Move? Do you even know I, what it is? I don't. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I don't know what it is. It's the, it's the their version of the Wii Remote. It was well, and it was their. It looks like response. a microphone. It looks like an ice cream cone. Yeah, it was yeah. their response to their the response to motion the sensor controllers. The it has second lights now though, through huh? uh, PSVR. That's the primary motion oh, controllers right. for PSVR. Yeah, the so they pretty control. much just repackaged it and then uh, like shipped them yeah. back out. <laughs> you don't like this one? Well, what if we put a bow on it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it now. No, it's great. There's something really interesting, though, about the fact that Nintendo has been able to carve out their own niche market with mm-hmm. um, the whole gaming for all ages. But at the same time, they still are able to make games that are appealing to core gamers. Mm-hmm. If the core gamers don't value the sort of hyper-realistic graphics, right. if they don't care that it looks cartoony, they're able to get into some very, very good games like Mario yeah. Galaxy, Galaxy 2. Oh, oh yeah. That game, that game got a perfect 10. From some mm-hmm. pe- some from some um, media, and they hadn't given it out before, very very rarely. And then Mario uh, uh, Mario Galaxy Two came out, and people lost their minds. They just took all the best elements of it. And mm. I remember one article saying, "I know twelve isn't a legal score, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it to you know something like that." It was just so good that they couldn't. They wow. they they ruined their rating system. Some some guy somewhere said that I can't rate games anymore and be and be honest. Because I gave that game a ten, and this game is so much better. I, think. I just, Dang. I just ruined it. I, th- I would like to say that it's like one of the things that I focus on less now is that the realism. Mm-hmm. I, that I've, I've lost that need, and I, I, I would almost wish that our uh, a Sony and Microsoft overlords would stop trying to focus on it so much. <laughs> stop pushing it. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't know many gamers now that want that. Like I guess when you're you're growing up, you get to our age, you're like. Oh, I just want to do things that are super unrealistic, and I want it to look pretty while I do it. And I guess that's the foundation of why I don't like driving games. But um, <laughs> like, I want to do yeah. things that are unrealistic. I want to shoot aliens with a plasma gun. I want to jump thirty feet in the air. I don't, you know, I'm not talking like Superman fly through rings here. It's unrealistic, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, bad. after just, you get to a certain age, you really do start to be okay with being a kid again. Yeah. 
as a kid, you want to be an adult, and you're like, I want this to look real. I want to shoot real people. I want my guns to look real and the dirt to look real. And, like, you can go outside <laughs> and find out that that dirt isn't as interesting as you would like it to be yeah. on your screen. That will be okay with it looking prettier than the actual dirt. But. For sure. But, you know, Nintendo figured something out a long time ago that the other guys still haven't, and that it's fun first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fun is the first thing, and... Sometimes it just isn't there, you know. Mm -hmm. They they focus way too much on the visuals. You're right. Yeah, there's this there's this um, bell curve for me of of prioritizing uh, visuals as a kid. You know, it's 16 bit. Well, my mom goes, "Why is that different? Why should I let you get a Super Nintendo? Because the visuals mm -hmm. are better. Why does that matter?" And I didn't have an answer for her. But and to be honest, I she was right. You know, all my favorite games, Mega Man 2, the, the best the best things about those games are the mechanics. The fact that you can slide and you know exactly what your character is doing at any second. The storyline, the music, all that stuff. Mega Man does not look like a real thing. You know, and, and, and 80 other million examples. It doesn't matter what they look like. doesn't matter whatever. It would be worse if they tried content, to be realistic. The content was what always drew me in. NBA Jam is not realistic. Greatest sports game of all time. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Without a doubt, without a doubt, the greatest sports game of all time. <laughs> Sega Genesis, but NBA, what about NBA Blitzball? Jam. <laughs> side, no side note, the creators of NBA Jam were Knicks fans, and they hated Jordan so much that they just didn't put him in the game. The story is more specific <laughs> than that, but that people thought for years that Michael Jordan would just be, quote, OP, so they couldn't put him in. Hmm. And it turns out that, the no, the makers of it just said, you know what, screw Jordan, we're... We like Ewing, so we're just not going to put Jordan in. What about Blitzball? <laughs> game sucked. <laughs> I think League of Legends is my favorite sports game. You think so? I, sports game? You didn't see the joke in that? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal. Curveball. I wasn't sure if you were going to try and take us down baseball esports kind of path there. That conversation. <laughs> we, if, we, if we don't want to open that kind of worms, that's fine. Did you guys play Assassin's Creed at all? Yes. Like the first ones? Yeah, or any of them. All, all of them until... Uh, spoiler alert? Can sure. I do that? Yeah, yeah. Are you cool with that? All the way yeah. up until Desmond died, which was... Oh, man. The stupid Super was, disappointing, right? I had actually like, the very same experience. I hadn't played any I was, I was highly invested in the uh, the modern world uh, plotline that was happening. That's interesting. And Jumping into the hay there was, was ridiculous. No, there was no conclusion. Mm -hmm. It was just... That's that. <laughs> that's... It was actually it was an anti-conclusion. It was like we're at the very really, end of the yeah. game. Here's a bigger problem. He's gonna make this choice, this terrible, terrible, unresolving choice, and then we're just gonna kill him. <laughs> Thank you for the hours, Ubisoft. It is the I very would like definition. all of those back. <laughs> it's it's the definition of tragic. Mm. It's like mm. I haven't played through the um uh the pirate one and the colonial one right all those um i did play a little bit of the pirate one I, I was like i can drive a ship but then i discovered and this is my learning the downfall of buying mods off the uh the uh, in-game yeah. store is like oh i can make my ship op before i can make my ship op <laughs> nice. oh that breaks the whole game okay never mind yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, and if i'm honest the the assassin's creed games were never very interesting mechanically yeah the story was all that was appealing to me. Sure. Absolutely. Capture well, the, the climbing system flags. hadn't been really introduced before, right? That was the big hook, right? 
it was it was cool That's, at first, but then yeah. you, right, it hadn't really done before that. Is people what I was just start at. realizing that you're you literally pressing one button down and holding the stick forward, yeah. and then you're doing all this stuff. It's, then you get to the top, you perch like a bird, and then you jump into some hay. Eagle. Yeah. that was really really cool Eagle. the first time. When you down Ubisoft like, oh. can't stop doing that one thing. <laughs> Assassin's Creed is the game I used to talk about um, a gaming addiction because it's legitimately exactly the the, the example should be used. Assassin's Creed is go find all the flags, go find all the feathers, feel good for doing that without getting an actual reward, and then we'll make another game so you can do it again, mm. and we'll put a soft story behind it so you feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm. Like, like, like it's like a gambling addiction. It is a yeah. gambling It doesn't yeah. take very much effort to achieve, but when you still I, feel like you're achieving something. I was about, I think I was in the third or fourth game with Desmond still alive, and it was like, why am I doing this like what is the point of this and so haven't i done this already exactly especially the first game the first game was all collection and very little story wasn't the revolutionary one cool i heard a lot of people like that one was that the that's fourth actually one? the most poorly reviewed entry in the series well, really? bad friends. <laughs> that was the third one <laughs> sorry i'm just saying it really yeah yeah, yeah. No, yeah when it came out i had a friend who bought the bought the little get up you get with the the the, the special collectors of edition yeah Sat in his dorm room and, and uh, on on base, and it was he thought it was the coolest thing. So, what do you guys think of them rebooting the series and setting it and saying it's in Egypt and they're part of the Magi? And there's a little bit of like a you you know a little bit about the Magi just going into it culturally from history and stuff right. like that. Um, what are your thoughts on that Egyptian setting? It just takes effort for me to care at this point. Just because there's been so much, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they, they go so yeah. far forward. It takes effort for you to carry. We we uh, had a perfect person to care about in Desmond, which were the first games were based off of. You you cared because you were reliving his past, his his ancestors' lives, and, <clears throat> and to go back further than that, I guess a reboot is what they need because um, they essentially destroyed their universe whenever Desmond died. We we couldn't care as a people. My little brother plays the news games and he only cares about it because he can jump off buildings and kill people. He literally doesn't <laughs> care about the story. <laughs> at all. What do you notice that there wasn't a story? Well, essentially, it's, he's like, well, I'm kind of in these memories and I'm like, do you remember what happened? No, not really. <laughs> or like, he jumps online to play the multiplayer, which I thought was really cool, the idea for it. I never jumped in and played myself, but they need a reboot because otherwise I don't think they have a, a platform to stand on. Mm. What number is yeah, this? Yeah, I think they know that. Seven? Yeah, how many games is that? This is going to be, I think it is like the seventh or maybe even eighth oh, wow. entry. Wow, it's too many. Yeah. Like, I think we can all agree Seven on that. Seven too many. You can't just take a game like that and put it on a conveyor belt, an assembly line. It's like, that's... No, no, you can't. It was so deep when it first started. It was like, there's another layer to this. And whenever you start to process that layer, like there's another layer to this. And I thought that was brilliant. Mm. I just, I love the second game, I think, is the one that I hear my friends talk about the most. And your Ezio. That game was great. The second one was, was really good. It's when we got Ezio. And even the third one where it's like Ezio a little bit older. Yeah. Is good. But <clears throat> the second one, I if there's a flagship for those games, that one's it. And, um, it just went downhill from there, and then <laughs> death of Desmond, and then and then why are we playing this? My 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 nine to ten or eleven year old brother yeah. is the only one playing this game, so right but, on. Um, unrelated, 
what number is this of Splinter Cell? That's a good question. Let me see. Three was Chaos Theory, and we had Double Agent Conviction. And then Quantum Solace, Goldfinger. And then... What are you doing? Blacklist. Is, I can't keep him straight anymore. Pandora That's tomorrow. the second one. Blacklist was the most recent, I and know, I think it was, it was yeah. number f- six. I think it was number six. Yeah, it was. It was number six. <laughs> <laughs> Not counting, like, the DS games and, like, the offshoots, like, the main entries. I like if Pandora Tomorrow was the same one. I like that one a lot, but the first one was obviously good. It was pretty good. Um, Chaos Theory was excellent. Double Agent was okay. Conviction was, like, meh. And then blacklist was awesome but they got rid of michael ironside to sam fisher which is like half <laughs> Splinter Cell. like he's got to be sam fisher whichever one you could do co-op with that was cool because the missions were different i think that but, was the most recent one you could play through the whole thing uh co-op yeah there was one of them that were, the missions were slightly different they, they raised the, the level of the walls basically and stuff like that so people had to be helped yeah yeah Mario plus Rabbids. Uh, plus XCOM. Plus, plus XCOM. XCOM. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that it's an interesting crossover. The Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Did you guys see very much of that? Did you? What did you? <clears throat> Rabbids is actually my least favorite part of the Rayman franchise mm-hmm. because I played the Rayman uh, uh, RPG for Dreamcast, and that game was fantastic. And then the rabbits came out and the Wii, and I got it. I understood it. I, I get why you want to do that. You know, it's a cool shooting game with plungers. But I, I, I thought that Rayman was the best part of it, and Rayman's kind of disappeared. Mm. So I was, the, I was disappointed to see the rabbits are like the minions of the Rayman. I was just gonna make that comparison. <laughs> Something like that. They just never go away. They, they, they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And they're just, you know, silly little, you know, things. But the. The main event for me was Rayman, and he wasn't to be seen, so. I did find it interesting only by virtue of the fact that it looks like a uh, a tactical RPG. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of those, so yeah, I'll probably pay attention to it at least a little bit. Did you play through, uh, I'm trying to think of one besides XCOM. Well, Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics. Yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, Tactics Ogre was one Fire Emblem. Um... There, I mean, those are more yeah. chess kind of. You, they display the squares more, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. yeah. My introduction to it was Tactics Advanced, Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced mm, yeah. for the handheld. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one, and that was good. Except the the one thing it could have done without was the only thing they introduced that was new to the mechanic, which was the the law system. Okay. Where you got penalized arbitrarily for using certain kinds of uh... abilities. And as the game progressed, they would add on to that to the point where there's like six things Ugh. you have to keep track of. And I got to the point where I thought it was done, but it was one of those twists where you think you're going to be done. But actually, there's one more big boss Surprise! And you have to play a little bit more, and that's the point. They add another like active law mm. that you have to pay attention to during battle. And it was just too much to have to juggle. Mm-hmm. For me, the introduction into that mechanic was uh, Tactics Ogre Knights of Lotus on Game Boy Advance. Mm. That one, ah, man, I probably played through that about three, 
times as a kid in my mind it, it was just you know fantastic story and yeah uh so many different types of characters that you could recruit and uh take them on the select who you wanted to go on the mission with you um i thought that that almost active chess play style is just awesome I think the closest thing I have to that character kind of um, selection is Final Fantasy X. Yeah. yeah I really never <laughs> played any of the tactics one, but <clears throat> I think I would have probably been overwhelmed by these tactics games because even in Final Fantasy X, I kept playing and trying to level up all of the characters evenly. Oh, yeah. So I discovered that that's probably not what you're supposed you're to do. You're one of those RPG players. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't even like a good farmer i just i just uh, how can you not be a good farmer i just ran through and continued to switch out my characters I'm like oh so he's the lowest level so now i gotta use him until he's at least mid or higher level and then stands to reason you know I, I had to go back and replay a lot of those games whenever i was older because i legitimately ran through and ran from battles that i couldn't beat until yeah i just replay battles it's like it takes a lot of tenacity to win a battle just using your items and being really low level. Mm-hmm. Like, I learned later, like, you didn't farm in the forest of whatever to get your level up? No, absolutely not. I ran from every battle in that area and, and continued on. Like, <laughs> oh. <okay. laughs> so, that's what you're supposed to do. What were your opinions on the new Spider-Man? I'm actually kind of hyped. Yeah. <laughs> not, not gonna yeah. lie. There's some fire there. Um, just... It's the most viewed trailer of E3 so far. <laughs> oh, man. That doesn't surprise me at all. I think back to the uh, the older Spider-Man games. Mm-hmm. Was there one on 64? I remember yes, I played that right. one. I loved it. Yeah, that's the one I played the most. And that made me think back to that game is what mm-hmm. it really did. And um, talking about taking steps forward. I don't know that there's... I really haven't paid attention to Spider-Man in gaming since the 64 but it definitely feels like a major step forward for spider-man mm-hmm. in a game i mean we have four actors playing spider-man but now we have a solid game mm-hmm. <laughs> oh so this is interesting brian i was gonna talk to you about this because we had yeah. speculated it's gonna be about miles morales but it's uh-huh. not it's confirmed that peter parker is spider-man uh, in this game miles morales fine. is in the game but he isn't spider-man fine <laughs> well shucks this better be... Are you holding on to your Donald Glover fantasy? I do. I want Donald Glover to come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I want sure. him to be Spider-Man so bad. He's doing a Deadpool thing, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He is yeah. the animated uh, one. On FX. Okay. FXX. <laughs> Was the 64 one the one where uh, at the very end you're in this like building and uh, Doc Ock gets attached by a symbiote and he's like everything's collapsing and you're chasing you through the vents. And, yes. Oh man. Very I, stressful. Yeah. I was gonna say I had <laughs> to actually tell my mom, don't let me rent this game again because it <laughs> scares me too much. It stresses me out way too much. <laughs> yeah, that it definitely had that feel towards it. Blake, do you ever play that game? No, no, I never got to play that one. I I had a Sega Genesis that generation, and then got an Xbox Atta from boy. there. So. Sega Genesis is good. You play some Sonic on that. That's some good game. But I was also like super young. Like it was no decision of mine. It's just what my dad had. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's kind of an E3 wrap up for us. Um, I'm glad that we were able to do this as well because we were going to have to record an additional one, and I was like. Uh, <laughs> yeah i know i need like a week off man i Just haven't one. recreationally played video games in like eight weeks <laughs> i know 
They've I all know. Been for Twitch I just modded the and... hell out of Fallout 4, and all I want to do is play it. It was the last time when I watched you, we watched you play, uh... Watch Dogs? Watch Dogs. Probably. It was probably that time. Was Carrie with me on that Yeah, Carrie was with us. Yeah, because you were here, yeah. and then you had to leave, yeah. We kept... <laughs> so I remember <laughs> that. We were it playing, was so good. I was playing Watch Dogs multiplayer, and I got the, the dead set car... That was like so totally, totally obviously. This is a player character, <laughs> and I would pull, do not try to hide from this. <laughs> I would pull up and hack the guy and just hide in the car, and he came out and identified me. So I drove off, but he wasn't chasing me. So I would stop, drive back into the circle so that he he would still be active, and just honk at him a bunch. And so he would like shoot off a few rounds at me. I would drive off, come back, and just like back and forth and back and forth because he was in this alleyway, and I was just <laughs> honking. I, I wouldn't be surprised he was seven, and you know, sure, figure sure. things out. Oh man, it was funny. Awesome. Everybody, thanks for listening to our E3 wrap-up here. Uh, from here on out, we're going to be covering some uh, spoilers on the movie Alien Covenant. So if you haven't seen it or don't want it spoiled, feel free to stop the podcast here and come back later after you've already watched it. If this is the uh, stopping point for you guys, you can catch us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, uh, and all your social media platforms at BitXBitPodcast. Thanks, guys. Okay, there was a topic that you really <laughs> wanted to talk about. Um, what do you what, what uh, set us up here? Go go into it. <laughs> well, why would I want to talk about the new Alien movie in a podcast about E three? I'll Re- tell you. <laughs> the reason. Oh man! <laughs> Please leave that in. <laughs> the reason is because. This movie hurt me. Oh, much uh, like E3 did. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. This movie... Got him. <laughs> um, this movie stole my girlfriend. Oh, no. This movie burned my house down. <laughs> did it kill your dog? This movie... John Wick, it shot my dog. It, it shot got my dog. It got better. This movie poured water on the kitchen floor so that when I walked through, I got my socks wet. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Most heinous of all kitchen crimes. Okay, so... There's a reason why I'm so upset about this is because the alien movies are my very, uh, not my very favorite. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional. Mm -hmm. This may not be the most objective review you've ever heard. Um, This is Alien Covenant. Alien, yes, this is Alien Covenant. Alien is my favorite sci-fi movie. Okay. It's my favorite horror movie. Yeah. It does both astoundingly well. Mm -hmm. Alien Covenant functions neither as a horror movie nor as a piece of science fiction. Here's <laughs> okay. why. Oh, but did you like the movie, by the way? It's because it's okay laughably it. bad. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it does not function as a horror movie because one of the foundations of horror is that you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Stephen King has famously said that in horror, you can't reveal the big bad mm-hmm. because once you reveal it, the audience goes, oh, yeah, sure, I I thought it was going to be something way worse. Mm. It's only 10 feet tall. If it was 20 feet tall, <laughs> I don't know if I could have dealt with that. But now that I know, it's okay, now that it I can bounds. process this. Now that I know. I can study this. I can understand it. And it's, it's not as much of a threat. If you don't know what a thing is, it just takes that power away from you. Horror mm. is a practice in making the audience feel helpless. Mm-hmm. 
and not letting them know what's going on. Desensitized. Mm. It's yeah. like, uh, there's a term in uh, high school uh, literature classes. Mm. Uh, you have irony, which is, uh, you know, uh, the contrast between what does and you, what you expect to happen. Dramatic irony is you know what's happening, but the characters in uh, the story don't know what's going to happen. And so that idea is the basis of Alien Covenant. You know everything that's going to happen because the movie tells you. None of the characters know, but you know. (laughs) So from the moment they touch down on the planet, you see, okay, this black substance going through the air that we know about from the Prometheus movie is going into their bodies. And so, okay, these two guys are dead. I have no idea what their names are. Yeah, I have they no were, idea what their pers- characters. Yeah, I have no idea what their personalities are. Their characters aren't just one dimensional. They are non characters. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. literally just fodder just for straight, what's about straight to get out, rid of it. Straight out yeah. red shirts. So they die. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I saw that coming. <laughs> and by the way, one more thing. Why more? These are scientists. Mm-hmm. These are scientists. They go onto an alien planet. Sure, there's oxygen-rich atmosphere, but they don't like their immune systems aren't prepared for whatever they could find. Like mm-hmm. they know these things, and so they just step off of the ship without any sort of suit on. I mean, I'm not the only person to have made this like uh, criticism. It just bothers me so well, much. And not only that, like. This was a planet that wasn't on the charts, that was, like, purposely not in the charts. And they went, oh, well, I guess we're going to go check this one out now. <laughs> yeah, and they, I mean, the the female lead is, again, the one that says, this isn't good, like, we shouldn't be doing this, this is against protocol. Mm-hmm. Just like in the first Alien. <laughs> but, you know, we'll just leave that there. Um so, like, there were only really two deaths in the film that I didn't see coming. Okay. And those uh, were uh, the two ladies who were on the ship. Like, I expected it to be a little bit more of a slow burn than what it was. But, you know, the ship just explodes and those two are on it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like well, I'm like, okay, this is unexpected. I guess this is going to be good. The movie's still beginning. I'm all right. Like, maybe they, like, this was just the first taste, right? I'm still optimistic and I'm still moving forward. Every decision in this movie, almost every decision, was the wrong decision. And what bothers me about it, what bothers me about it is that it was deliberate. It's clearly shot in a certain way to evoke a certain uh, sense from the audience and to give the audience certain information. And the information given is information that robs the story of its power to terrify the viewer. Mm. So the scene that is burned into my mind, like the one that is the most representative of this uh, travesty is too strong a word, but you see one of the um, one of the crew members again, I didn't know her name, I didn't know anything about her personality, all I knew is that she was injured she was a woman, and she was by herself having a semi-intimate moment checking her wounds, looking underneath the bandages and then it goes immediately to a jump cut of one of the neomorphs that popped out of one of the dudes who had the dust going to it. And so mm. immediately, she's going to die. Yep. You just know. There's no... And yeah. that's a decision they made. Yep. It's deliberate. It's like... <sighs> they just... Perp- the entire movie, they just held your hand and said, all right, this is where that's we're going That's what bothers now. me about it. It's not, it's not just run-of-the-mill incompetence. 
<laughs> these decisions were made deliberately, mm-hmm. apparently with care mm. and jurisprudence. <laughs> And they were wrong. They were so clearly wrong. So that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Milo Fassbender is an impeccable actor. And if there is a reason to see this movie, he is the reason. Okay. And that's good because he plays two roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of them are robots. <laughs> and his characters are the most fleshed out. His characters are the most relatable. Oh, yeah. Which is good. But it also provides, it's this weird paradox that the most relatable, most fleshed out, most human characters are the robots. The irony in that. So, I mean, that's ironic. It wouldn't be a problem, though. It just highlights the flaws that I've already talked about. None of the characters, other than these two, are very well built up, with the possible exception of the female lead. Sure. A lot of them aren't given personalities at all, and everyone else is either one-dimensional, has very weird responses Mm -hmm. to the fact that his wife just died. Yeah. Or just are like, you know, just alien fodder, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's waiting for their box to be checked for the next person to die. I mentioned that... It works neither as a horror film nor as a sci-fi film. Yes. I've explained why it doesn't work as a horror film, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. It doesn't work as sci-fi because none of the concepts really gain any ground throughout the film. It starts off with the same sort of duality of uh, faith versus um, the cosmos. Okay. So, in Prometheus, that theme was developed um, initially in the character of Shaw, Elizabeth Shaw. She uh, finds out something that seems to directly conflict with her faith, that human (laughs) beings were created by other space human beings with identical DNA, and we are just kind of the derivative species, Mm -hmm. right? In that sort of lends itself to the same uh, Lovecraftian model of science fiction that Alien sort of started. We have uh, people struggling to find purpose in a universe that just doesn't seem to care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um, that theme is developed well like she knows that she's been created by other intelligent life forms but she doesn't abandon her belief system she just incorporates it and expands it Mm -hmm. in this next film it seems like we're going to get a little bit more of that in the character of the second in command the captain yeah whose name again I don't remember so that's how fleshed out his character was he's just just is a an insecure captain, and that's kind of just his character. He's the insecure authority figure, who is also a person of faith. Maybe a Christian? Don't really know. But he's weird about incorporating it into his He's work. just He just thinks that it makes him less desirable as a crew member. Mm-hmm. He thinks it makes him less desirable as an officer, and it, he thinks that other people view him as incompetent because of it. Mm. And that's it. That's the only place they go with the faith element element yeah so that was jolting i guess <laughs> it's introduced it was this big thing in the last movie so maybe they're going to try to make it a bigger thing it just it was out of place unnecessary and so they land on the planet these uh neomorphs pop out of the backs and of the fronts of these two guys who die mm-hmm. and they're running around they can't kill them one of them uh tears a guy's jaw off he falls down and 
there are a few missed opportunities in this movie to provide like real uh, legitimate horror experiences. Mm -hmm. One of them was that we just saw someone die, but it wasn't someone who had any humanity to us. Right. And this was a gruesome death, right? So we didn't see him like on the ground after the battle, drowning in his own blood and choking up and struggling to survive. Uh, We didn't see any of his humanity or his struggle. So faith is built up in the last movie to be a big theme in this new trilogy that uh, Ridley Scott is coming out with, Mm -hmm. but doesn't go anywhere in this movie. It's just kind of there as an appendix, a a tertiary disposable thing. Very disappointing. Um, And so midway through the film, we find out that the character Michael Fassbender played in the last movie in Prometheus, David, Mm -hmm. um, is on this planet with Elizabeth Shaw. Shaw is dead. And uh, we're not entirely certain how she died. We're told she died in the crash. Mm -hmm. Um, But we learn very, very quickly, very, very quickly that that's probably not the case. Oh, yeah. They show a flashback of them arriving at the planet without an introduction, without a thematic reason. Mm -hmm. It's just they kind of they're talking about Shaw's death and her grave, how David cares about her so much. And then there's a flashback that isn't introduced. It just kind of happens where they arrive at the planet. All of the engineer race, they may not be engineer races, like according to some people, but I'm just going to go with they are. They're there. They're celebrating the return of the ship. And Fazbender just unloads the, the biochemical nukes mm-hmm. and kills everyone. Yeah. Why would you just give that away? Mm-hmm. That's... I've never seen a movie so fast. I'm going to need you to rephrase that. <laughs> it was very disappointing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> It has all the feel of the moment in the movie, mm-hmm. of the huge big reveal, and you just kind of hand it to us midway through the movie before the tension is built up near the end, before any of the structures are in place to make this thing meaningful, and it just kind of makes the movie fizzle. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of other things um, about the movie that I just were, were disappointing. Um, I actually liked the idea of the two uh, characters played by the same guy getting mixed up at the end. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of David using that to his advantage and taking uh, Walter out of the mix. Yeah. Um, I, w- I will say, as soon as he cut his hair, I was like... He's going to take yeah. it. He's it gonna took take a, his place. It took a little longer for me. Mm-hmm. I saw that mainly as him trying to associate and relate to his brother mm. a little bit. Or maybe make himself presentable. There are other people here. Sure. It makes sense. Um, that whole exchange, though, was a little bit weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's Michael Fassbender playing the flute with Michael Fassbender. It's and Michael Fassbender arguing with Michael Fassbender. This weird underlying <laughs> thematic innuendo relationship thing that I mean it makes sense yeah doesn't it? it I will say that for the movie the fascination that David has for Walter makes sense mm-hmm. because he's cut from the same cloth he's just a later model and David pities him because Walter can't create mm-hmm. but as soon as like they're fighting he reaches for the knife 
and then it cuts out. Yep. <sighs> like, I like the twist. I like the idea behind the twist. I just wish, again, it wasn't just given to me so easily. Yeah, it was it made so predictable. Yes. I mean, we yeah. know he's an android. We know that he can make wounds on himself that mm-hmm. would mimic Walter's wounds and make himself look exactly the same because he pretty much already does. Now, the bit about David being the creator of the aliens. Mm-hmm. The Lovecraftian, like, model that Alien follows is that the alien is a product of the universe. Mm. A universe that doesn't care for human beings and intentionality and creativity. It seems to sort of, like, take away a little bit. Sure. From that aspect of mystery about the alien. It almost changes the tone. It absolutely does. It 100% changes the tone. It becomes less a question of horror in the human person's place in the universe and more a question of technological abuses. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's less less Lovecraft and, uh, oddly enough, more Prometheus. Sure. Um, which... Uh, might have been the idea, actually. And that that's uh, not an idea that I can criticize altogether. But at the same time, like, consistency, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to me that they, they did change it so that they went down the path of mankind as its own downfall, ultimately. Because you're striving to create better... And and the, it's the Jurassic Park thing of yeah. you you're searching if you could you never stop to ask if you should, um, and it, it's this continual search for the best and perfection and uh, and then it perfection is you know the ultimate killing machine yeah basically I will grant that that's not entirely foreign to the Alien franchise and aliens. Right. You do have that character who seems pretty much on the up and up until the end when he's worried about costs to the company and like everyone dies because he's the guy caring about money and right. his company. Um, but I don't know. It's just confusing, I guess. <laughs> it confuses the tone of the franchise. And um, it's not as though the Alien movies have always been good. Sure. Right? Have you seen Alien 3? I may have been passing yeah. years ago. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> um, Alien Resurrection is an abomination. Mm. Uh, Prometheus was good. A lot of people hated Prometheus, but I was one of the naysayers who thought it was a pretty great movie for what it, it was. It held up. Yeah. yeah, it held up by its own standards and what it was trying to do. A lot of the accusations of character inconsistency can... Uh, be pretty easily explained. Mm-hmm. So, like the biology dude who just goes up to the worm and is just like, "Hey, little guy, how are you doing?" Yeah, and it's like up on his rear, like a cobra ready to strike. Like, have you seen a Steve Irwin documentary? Yeah. <laughs> if I like just repeating the number of times that my dad has said, "This is idiotic. This guy's gonna die." <laughs> but there's still this person who has that characterization, and mm-hmm. this person who does. It's not outside of the realm of the person's character. Sometimes people behave idiotically, and that's why I give it a pass. Um, because it's consistent with the character. Right on. 
Um, the difference between the characters that make stupid decisions in Prometheus and the characters that make stupid decisions in Covenant is that the characters that make stupid decisions in Covenant make stupid decisions just because they're written badly. Mm-hmm. It was presented and produced in a poor it was it was directed in a poor way. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I will say this. Okay. Alien Covenant functions as a thriller. Sure. Okay. There, yeah. there were moments where my heart was beating fast and I was like, okay, this is a high stakes situation and I'm a little bit on board with this now. Be, be, but it's that's like more consistent with the action type of genre and it doesn't seem like they were trying to do that as much, mm-hmm. I guess. So I don't know. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, I think, was pretty split down the middle mm-hmm. on this one. Um I just, I don't know, man. It The horror was tropey. It was on the level of, like, B-movie utilization of tropes. Sure. Like, everything yeah. was so predictable. It looked pretty, but it was not... It was shot wonderfully. Yeah. Which makes me think that uh, Ridley Scott, his his forte is in his, like, world bending, mm-hmm. world, world building. Building, yeah. And his visual storytelling. Not so much maybe in his ability to network and find good writers yeah 